0: The first time I saw it, I got goosebumps. It was perfect for me. I felt like we could go anywhere together.
1: <sighs>
0: There's nothing like finding your match on Cars.com. With over 50,000 cars added daily and a powerful advanced search, you're sure to discover the one Cars.com. It's magical. Click or tap to find your perfect match on Cars.com today. A car shopping experience? Meets an out-of-body experience with 50,000 cars added daily and unbelievably smart matchmaking. The new Cars.com—it's magical. We are live. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. This is Forging the Falcons. I am Scott Kennedy. This is Nick Kendall on this side. I am in Atlanta. He is in Seattle. We are coast to coast for your NFL football talk, and more than that, we're international. Uh, with Ethan, the DWI guys coming in saying good afternoon, gents. He's in London. Mark Schrader's in Texas, so we got we got all kinds of the, the gamut covered. If Peter Middleton shows up from Cambodia, we'll we'll know we've got several continents covered as well. So uh, say hello as you are, are coming in, like Jeremy Sean just did, and uh, and good. And Mark Schrader has also, like I said, I just mentioned him earlier. Um, Nick, how are you this morning? It's already been a busy
1: day. I am uh, doing pretty well, pretty tired. I've uh, been begun the process of uh, packing up the house slowly but surely for the move and uh, now probably gotta shift gears to packing for the drive back to Iowa. So getting excited for that. Uh, a lot going on next week. Um, I think I've gotten per- permission's the wrong word, but I have uh, talked with enough people that I, I'm going to be able to go fishing with one of my buddies at a fishing club um when i'm back. So that'll be great as well. I've been dying uh to get a line in the water. I don't need permission. I just don't want to battle. That's, you know, it's that. <laughs> it's like if i really want if i really want to, i could just be like i'm doing this. Uh but uh we're good. We're good. So uh, it's uh i'm glad i carved out enough time to do that. A little yeah, a little I, me time. I think the last time i said anything about that was running into
0: my 30th birthday and i said i was getting a motorcycle. My wife said no, something like that. And I'm don't tell me no now i'm no you can talk you can probably talk me out of it but she came back like a couple of weeks later and she was like go ahead and get it i know you're gonna do it anyway and i don't want you resenting me while you do it i'm like yeah you you, you get me we're uh where?" but then she figured me out because i was talking about getting a dirt bike she's like well why don't you try renting one first and she knows like if you give me enough time i'll like lose interest and uh you know not don't tell me no that just makes me want it more but who you know who didn't get told no and i I know we're we're talking forging the Falcons, but we hit all kinds of stuff on this show across the nfl because nick and i've got a wide interest in things and the big news today coming out this morning was with the denver broncos 4.65 billion dollars i believe that more than doubled the sales price of the Carolina Panthers, who was the NFL r- uh, record, and has uh, is, is almost doubled, if not doubled, the American franchise record and probably fell just a little bit short of what the bully group just um, just paid for Chelsea Football Club, Go Blue. Um, but what are your quick thoughts on Rob Walton and his $60 billion net worth, dropping close to $5 billion on the Denver Broncos?
1: Yeah, I mean, anybody who's made that much money in their life has probably stepped on some people along the way to get there. So I know that some people, you know, Walmart, evil corporation, blah, blah, blah. I hear you. Um, I get the concern there. But at the same time, you are talking about multiple billionaires, you know, fighting each other for this. So probably you look into the background of every single one of these guys and there's going to be something uh, somewhat sketchy there. Uh, so going to kind of put that in a box, <laughs> put that away, because I feel like we need to say that first. Um, the Broncos now are going to have the richest owner in all of football, and I think the second richest owner in all of American sports behind uh, Steve Ballmer. So that is obviously the NFL is a salary cap game, but you still have tremendous advantages mm-hmm. if you have the ability to put uh, what is the money in furlough. Is that the right term there? There's something that you can do with the money to put it um, to pay people. Also, you're going to be able to have the best coaching staff. Um, you're never going to be worried about not paying those guys. You're going to have the best facilities and the fan experiences as well. I think they're going to be able to, they are going to build a stadium out there probably by DIA. It sounds like, sounds like that's an inevitability and they're going to buy a bunch of land out there and uh, create a monster conglomerate, Bronco Land, uh, so to speak, which is going to be unfortunate further away from downtown because um, of skyline and everything like that. But Going to be probably an amazing uh, fan experience all around. So um I think overall I'm excited and I'm just relieved. I'm glad it's over with. I'm glad that it's not going to somebody who is. It seems like they're going to invest in the team. It's not going to yeah. go to somebody who's going to just squeeze out every penny of profit out of the team and just play on the margins. No, so that's, that's all. all good.
0: One, you don't have five billion, but you certainly don't drop five billion on a team that you just want to try and eke profits out of. You know, they want to turn their 5 billion to 10 billion. He wants mm-hmm. to turn his 5 to 20. Um and you do that by creating a sparkling jewel of a franchise. Uh you know, bringing it back home a little bit. Um Arthur Blank got the Falcons for a penny because uh, the Smith family were penny pitchers and ran a horrible franchise uh with the Atlanta Falcons. They didn't put any money into it. Free agents were gone. Uh, they ended up with a new stadium at the Georgia Dome, based on the Olympics. Thank you. You have a franchise. You know they just kind of fell ass backwards into you know what the NFL became, and then Arthur Smith came in, and as I guarantee you, his investment has quadrupled, quintupled, septupled since he he bought the Atlanta Falcons and invested in it. Um, you know for you know where they are right now as a franchise, they're still light years ahead of where they were. We're talking about right now, one of the biggest problems is the the, the salary cap problems that the Falcons have uh, for overspending. Well, they didn't used to spend at all. So yeah. they used to have bad rosters and wouldn't invest. So they'd get a high draft pick. If he ended up being good, then he'd leave in, in four years. So uh, all of those things. And speaking of investing, Mark Schrader coming in. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. Look at that, he's coming in fuchsia. Hot pink today mm. uh, with the super to to get us going. So I, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, and Tiffany coming in saying, Scott's looking handsome today. You've know, got a haircut. I, I got a nice. haircut. So thank you. And I'm, I'm, I'm a much better summer than I am a winter. I look like a dead man in the winter. So thanks, Tiffany. Appreciate it. Flattery works great on me because I'm insecure.
1: Same. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, where's mine? That's what I'm thinking now. Let's wait a second. What's going on? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Dave, what a great response on how uh, regarding ownership. Also, I see Ethan correcting me escrow. That's the word. I'm like furlough escrow. It's escrow, putting the money into escrow. Well, furlough makes so, sense
0: though. It's like pushing it down the line a little bit, but that's yeah. kind of like you do and you pushing it down the line and you don't actually plan on giving them the money. Yeah. That actually made sense to me. I'm like, yep. okay, that works. No, it's um, it's definitely escrow. But Dave says, what a great response regarding the ownership. Um, the other thing, and I've said this for years, I wrote my freshman paper, English paper in college, about the the inequitability of the plantation indentured servant uh, type of relationship the NCAA has with its student athletes. That's how long I've been on this bandwagon. And on the professional ranks, when they talk about these overpaid athletes, They wouldn't pay them the money if they didn't have it. I don't ever want to hear. You let me know the next time an American franchise sports owner goes broke. Let me know. You know, when you're dropping $5 billion on guys, is it an obscene amount of money that someone's getting, you know, five years, $250 million to play quarterback? Yes, it is. It is an obscene amount of money. You know why it's an obscene amount of money? Because that's how much it generates in revenue because of us. And I don't mean us as like this podcast or even many people, but us as fans, as consumers, if you want to blame anyone for how ridiculous the cost of sports have become, blame ourselves. Mm -hmm. As long as we keep watching and buying and doing all those stuff, the money, I want it to go to the athletes. I do. I want it to go to the athletes who are risking their bodies and their livelihoods. You can say, well, the owners have put forth the capital and the risk. Not anymore they haven't. There is no risk in this anymore. It is a protected, closed shop, government-protected monopoly, billionaire boys' club with a guaranteed return. So, not anymore. They haven't. Okay, off soapbox. Off the soapbox on this one. Um, and just want to say good morning, Ray. Good good morning, Ray. Welcome in. Glad you're here. Uh, got some folks starting to come in, and um, wanted to uh, wanted to hit on the the topic of the day was uh, PFF came up with their Analytics, they called it, and ranked the NFL coaches um that for that had at least one year under their belt, and they put them in tears. Um, and Arthur Smith, well, kind of put me in tears. I thought Arthur Smith was way underranked for what he did. Um, I sent you the article, and then I actually didn't, you know, then I ended up closing it out as I was closing a bunch of tabs. So I'll bring it back out. But um, Arthur Smith was ranked let's see I have to scroll way down 20th at 20 at 20 out of a possible 26 because there are six new head coaches in the league and okay 20 and I'd almost consider that an incomplete but then you read what it has to say about it and it says uh well, Lana as a whole, struggled in Smith's first season at the helm. His performance is estimated to be generally unremarkable. Unremarkable last year, a seven 7-10 record. Um, Nick, what do you think? And I've been talking for a while. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Um, they had the ar- offensive rank 19 out of 26, plus 13 points scored, and defense 18 out of 26. Um, it's really hard to get a clean read on Arthur Smith because – the roster limitations. Also, I don't know if the roster was built. The offense specifically was built to his liking um, at uh, Tennessee. He obviously had a more mobile quarterback to able to run his offense and a true uh, bell cow running back. Now, obviously Derek Henry is a sample size of one, uh, but still um, that style of offense with the skyscraper type of wide receivers, uh, the Falcons were limited. So it's pretty hard to say um, what Arthur Smith is as far as a head of the scheme machine there and uh, what he's going to be going forward. That said, uh, I think he helped had that team play way over its head last Mm -hmm. season. And you have to give him some credit on that. There is some variance to that where they could be, okay. well, maybe you just, you know, you, you got lucky or your kicker saved you in a bunch of games. And that's not about the head coach. It's just random static and noise in the machine. I could buy that argument. But overall, I think 20th isn't the worst spot for him. But it's also not giving him much credit for squeezing the absolute most out of a pretty barren uh, roster last season.
0: Yeah, and that's that's where I am on that. It's not so much that you wanted to say he was twentieth. I'm like, okay, it's fairly incomplete one year, seven and eleven. Or I, I'm never. I, I got to get used to this seventeen game schedule. It's crazy how adding one game throws off our reflex answers to how many games are in a season when you're projecting records. Um, it's not so much that you want him at twentieth. Okay. That might be about right honestly that that could be close it's saying yeah. uh you know his performance is estimated to be generally unremarkable he was seven and two in in one one score games with again again granted against a, a weaker uh schedule is the one of the week i think it was if not the weakest then you know uh the winning percentage against was one that was top three um That's good coaching, you know. The team, the the Falcons, were losing those last year, and you can't convince me that the roster was better last year than it was in 2020. Couldn't do it. You you could not tell me that they're losing Julio Jones, who did play half a season. You're losing 15, 12, and 1400 yards and eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns from Calvin Ridley, and you're going out there with Matt Ryan and Jalen Mayfield at guard. Um, Caleb McGarry was a holdover at right tackle, but you can't convince me that the roster got better. And he almost doubled their win total. Almost doubled it in games they were in, in last year. That same team would have been two and 15. They would have gone two yeah. and seven in one score games, gotten blown out. I thought he did a remarkable job, not yeah. unremarkable. I thought he did a remarkable job. Now, their record projections are based on what would he do with an average, uh, an average roster? Everybody doing it with an average roster. So um, you know, to say that, you know, he doesn't change much on offense. Well, ask the Tennessee Titans if he changed much on offense. So I, I, I think that is, uh, I disagree with the commentary more so than the ranking because the ranking at 20 after one year and a seven and carry the one divided 10, 10 record is, uh, is unremarkable on, on, on the surface. The job he did, and again, that's why I constantly say, Nick, pump the brakes on anybody thinking they're going ten and seven this year, because I like Arthur Smith. And if yeah. they go three and fourteen this year, I want to keep Arthur Smith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting to see how this year plays out for him. Um, I think Arthur Smith is a good coach. I also think Pease did pretty well uh last season as well on the defensive side of the ball, given that Falcons team had gosh, uh two building block caliber players on that defense. Um, So definitely will be interesting to see how it plays out this season for them. Uh, we got Mark Schrader coming in here saying, I agree. He showed uh, have been a little, ho- he should have been a little higher. Um Yeah, I could see him. I don't, how high do you think he could be? What would be too high for you? Um, Scott, that's the big question.
0: Well, and Ethan comes in, he says, well, was that more, more Smith or having Ryan? Um, I'll answer Nick's questions first. Um, what would be too high? I mean, middle of the pack. I think's fair. Again, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with the ranking of twenty. I don't. It's the mm. commentary that made me go, "What?" That was where I started scratching my head. If you want to say twenty, I'm not going to argue with you. He hasn't proven a ton. He's only been there one year. He's still, you know, he's coming off his rookie season as a head coach. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, on a seven and ten record. But to say that the performance was unremarkable. Maybe the performance of the team on the whole, the performance based on expectations and based on resources at your disposal, I thought was pretty remarkable. It was a hell of a turnaround to double your wins, uh, you know, with, the, with again, you cannot convince me that the roster was better in 2021 than 2020. You won't be able to do it, so don't try. Um, and as, as Ethan says, but was that more Smith or having Ryan? It was a combination of several things. One, the coaching. Arthur Smith doing a better job of game management than, uh, than Dan Quinn was able to, where they would find ways to snatch victory or snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory. That's one. Two, they had a great kicker. They're playing. They're using the coaching staff to play to the strengths. As if we can keep this to a close game, we've got a chance to drive down and get in field goal range with one, a very good quarterback in Matt Ryan. Yes, he's still a very good quarterback with a decaying roster around him. A great kicker. You struck gold with Cordero Patterson you got a lot more, maybe the free agent bargain of the year. And then you hit on Kyle Pitts. Those were how you were able to scrape together seven wins from an otherwise. And A.J. Terrell took a leap forward to become one of the best, best corners in the NFL, period. Not best young corners, uh, but one of the best corners. Those are the reasons, despite the fact that you got zero sacks from one of your edge rushers. Uh, Dante Fowler was a bust. Yeah. Your interior line outside of, uh, of Grady Jarrett was terrible. Um, you had two mm. solid linebackers and two journeyman safeties, and, and, and a, a couple of revolving doors on the offensive line. You were still able to win seven games. That was a remarkable performance, not unremarkable.
1: Yeah, no, it was. Uh... And it really goes to show, I mean, how much. We think this roster had a ways to go and still has a ways to go, uh, but trending in the right direction, really had a good draft overall, I would say. So uh, excited to see what they can do year two, even if they regress some of the wins and loss uh, margins, they could be going in the right direction. So don't conflate the record uh, with what the roster is in the direction of a franchise.
0: Right. And, Uh, And Cree coming in saying Falcons definitely headed in the right direction. And again, I think they've got to take a step. I think they're headed in the right direction. On the whole, I think they take a step back this year. I, I think it's a three and fourteen type of team, four and thirteen type of team. Uh, but that's based on the roster. They by moving on from Matt Ryan, you probably cost yourself a couple of wins in mm-hmm. the short term for a team that wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. Now you could come out with a hundred million dollars in cap space uh, yep. in twenty twenty three and accelerate your rebuild. Uh, Mark uh, comes in with a good question. He says, Scott, if the, you think if the Falcons go three and fourteen this year. And then eight and nine in twenty twenty three. Will they keep Smith? All things being equal.
1: Uh, he's asking you, but I can answer that. Yeah, you go uh, first. <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll, I, I, I I I get
1: going, and I'm like, I forget. Wait, Nick, let Nick talk. Scott, shut up, dummy. No, you have you have good things to say. I'm uh coffee's still uh, starting to uh, hit for me, but uh, it really depends on what the season looks like. I think that if they go three and 14 this year and they have like lack of institutional control and issues in the locker room, there might have to be conversations about that uh, because that's, that's a rough scene Um, and losing that much uh, can cause splinters, issues, hurt feelings in the locker room. So could even be fired if they go three and 14 this year, I agree with you overall that uh, that probably wouldn't be very fair given the state Mm -hmm. of the roster. Um, But, there's always context surrounding the record as well that we need that we don't have right now outside of that three and 14 on the surface though. I think that that's seems like general progress and pushed in the right direction. Are they, is that three and eight, nine with a rookie quarterback, you know, Bryce young or CJ Stroud pushing you there and uh, really fitting in that offense. You get hot late. I mean, really want to see what it looks like, but I think all things being equal, if it did go this way, you would be keeping Smith, but it would be a playoffs or bust uh 2024 uh in this situation.
0: Yeah, then you need to keep the arrow going in the right direction. So, uh, uh, Mark, I'm with I'm with Nick on this one. 3 and 14 and you still have the backing of the team, you know, not that you've got many core veterans at this point. Yeah. But, you know, at, at this point after after 3 and 14, how does AJ Terrell feel? You know, I don't want him to be playing on the last year of his contract where he's already looking to go. Um yes, you can pick up the 5th year option, et cetera, et cetera but Um, you know, Kyle Pitts, is he still happy? You know, Drake London, how is he progressing? How are the young guys progressing? Uh, Despite a seven and 10 record and generally not a really good team and moving on from your franchise quarterback, you're able to re-sign Cordero Patterson on a discount. You're able to extend Grady Jarrett. A couple of really big locker room fan favorite presences. That speaks volumes of that. These guys like playing for Arthur Smith. So what I've seen and been around and heard and then what I've watched, you know, from afar, kind of on the outside looking in, Arthur Smith has the locker room. Um, you know, even after a, a seven and ten, these guys like playing for him, especially the ones that that have been around a little bit. They they like what they see. You know, that he's he's fair, he's open, and he's honest. He's tough, but he's fair. Um, so you go three and fourteen. Like I said, I want I, I want I want the casual Atlanta Falcons fan to understand that. Going out there with $60 million at least, depending on what happens with Deion Jones, that number could be 70 with one third of your cap space not even available to your roster because it's in dead cap money. Think about that. That's insane. Yeah. God. That's absolutely insane to say, oh, I could grab 10 $7 million players out there. Lorenzo Carter didn't cost that much. You know, I I could add an entire defense of $7 million players that's not even on the field. That's not even allowed to be on the field. That 3-14 and is a real possibility, an absolute real possibility. Don't put that on Arthur Smith. Put that on Thomas Dimitrov. Put that on him. And then they turn around and go 8-9. and Yeah, you're headed in the right direction. Absolutely. I want to see what they can do the next year. And then they have to take that next step forward with a winning record and hopefully the playoffs in 2024. I'm willing to bottom out in 2022, this season. Willing to. I was kind of hoping it would happen because the bottom had to come.
1: Yeah. We hadn't
0: hit bottom yet in Atlanta. The bottom had to come. Moving on from Matt Ryan, eating that dead that, that that dead cap. The bottom's coming. Yeah. Now bounce and keep that arrow going in the right direction, and I'd be I would be perfectly happy, all things being equal, if Arthur Smith was back after an eight and nine record in
1: 2023. Yeah, and if you guys are looking for dad caps, make sure you head over to (laughs) huddleuppod.com. No, yeah, Kevin Mapps saying, since has been a solid coach so far, and I agree, and I see a comment in here from John Stewart over on Facebook as well, saying, I believe the Falcons will win at least six or seven games this year. Uh, I'm not a Falcons fan, so it's easy for me to say this. I also see our guy, uh, Terry Oceanboy, Martin Jr. is in the house, and he'll disagree with me on this. Uh, But you guys are in a position where the Broncos were for a number of years as far as this middling purgatory, you know, bordering on that top 10 pick consistently year after year. I always was of the opinion that I would rather if you're going to be picking top 15, you know, not in the playoffs, give me a top three pick because you're going to get a lot more value out of that guy. It's a better chance at a true franchise difference maker as opposed to picking, you know, 10 to 15. So six and seven this year, I think is worst case scenario for the Falcons because that puts you in, you know, are you going to be able to get a quarterback? Probably not. Are you going to be able to get uh, one of those dominant uh, pass rushers? Even though you took two this year, I wouldn't rule. If Will Anderson's sitting there staring you in the face, you take him. Um, Probably not. So if I was the Falcons fan, uh, I would be pulling for this team to truly, like you said, bottom out this year, get a top three pick and uh, either draft one of these quarterbacks, uh, take Will Anderson or trade down for just an absolute boatload of picks. So uh, that's just me. That's kind of where I was with the Broncos as well. Um, what was it, the year in uh 20, it would have been 2020. Um, they won in the last second of the game against the Las Vegas or excuse me, the Oakland Raiders at the time. Uh Shelby Harris batted down a two-point conversion. Broncos dropped from the 10th overall pick to 15th. They could have had Tristan Wirfs, who looks like he's gonna be a Hall of Fame level tackle, <laughs> and they get Jerry Judy instead, who has been not great uh so far for the Broncos. So that's I mean, that's a big drop uh in talent. So I know it sucks in the short term, but Really, if I if I was a Falcons fan, I'm thinking, what do I want? Do I want to have more enjoyment in 2022 on a team that's pretty devoid of talent, or do I want to be set up to be able to win, you know, contend for Super Bowls and whatnot, 2025 and beyond? I'll I'll I would personally rather suck horrible for one season and have a chance at a game changing quarterback or pass rusher than, you know, eke out six or seven in a meaningless, essentially meaningless and forgettable season. Yeah. And John's talking about, you know, six or
0: seven. So you're already bad. You know, yeah. you're already saying if you're six and six and 11, you know, you're, you're having a bad season. If you're seven and 10, you are, you are having a bad season. So, you know, what does four and 13 give you? You know, it's not like you've been enjoying most of the season anyway. Um, You know, if you ended up finishing six and 11 and the pain of all, it's like the last season, the last game against the saints, your, your instant reaction on that is, yeah, I want to beat the damn Saints. Of course I do. I want to win. And then afterwards, like, I don't remember the score. I, I remember the Saints coming in and winning pretty handily, but I don't even remember the score. What I do remember is the draft order. And I remember who was available one through 10 and that the Falcons losing that game jumped all the way up to the eighth spot and were able to get the guy that they wanted. Uh, wasn't necessarily the guy that I wanted, but that that doesn't matter. That's, uh, that's beside the point. And it ended up giving them lots of options. Uh, And Ethan comes in, he says, Arthur Blank seems to be patient with his coaches. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Actually, uh, Ethan, no, you're not. And that we actually think that's one of his faults. (laughs) He's loyal to a fault. Uh, One of the best employers there are. Uh, You want to work for this man. He is a wonderful man. But um, he held on to Thomas Dimitrov for too long. Dimitrov should have been gone. If they were getting rid of Mike Smith, the winningest coach in Falcons history, if they were getting rid of Mike Smith, Dimitrov should have gone with him. They held on to him too long. Uh, Quinn was a year too long, at least, stayed a year too long. And then they pink slipped Dimitrov when they when they got rid of uh, Dan Quinn. So if anything, he's a little bit too loyal. And as Kevin comes in and he says, if they fire Smith after two seasons, I'll be pissed. Me too. You know, again, unless I see uh, discipline problems. You know, if he can't, if he doesn't have the team then then you've got a different because but i haven't seen any single uh i haven't seen any instances of that any any type of uh any type of indications indicators hints that he doesn't have the team um yeah. this this seems to be a very good
1: culture uh at flowery branch and yeah dave speaking of culture comes in and says uh culture means more than tanking games win games asap uh there's a difference between fans you know pulling for the the tank and thinking long term versus with the team the team you want the team to still be fighting as a very young team they are uh devoid of talent in a lot of key areas uh but that doesn't mean that they should be tanking this season from the internal perspective it doesn't mean a hoot what the fans or analysts think that they should do and what would be the most beneficial for them and uh you i think a team you can look at here is uh The culture means more than anything. There's not really much culture carry over year after year. If you talk with players and the exit season interviews, they say that every single year is a fresh slate and uh, kind of feels totally different. There's not this momentum. I think one of the biggest jokes in sports is people saying, Oh, they ended the season hot. They're going to carry that momentum into the off season. No, they're not. (laughs) They're not. Players like I've asked a player about them before and he literally laughed. He's like, that's not how it works. It's so it's so long in between it. It's a totally different season now. Uh so you can still have the culture right if you are losing games. You just got to have the right guys in there. So uh we'll see how that plays out, obviously. But uh you can have culture. And the team that comes to mind here, talking about culture and losing games is the the Bengals. Bengals had a losing culture for years. They got the right quarterback in there and they drafted a super at one overall and they got drafted a superstar wide receiver at five overall, boom. That looks like one of the best rosters in the AFC now, heading in the right direction, and people are screaming about the culture and the leadership and the presence that Joe Burrow has in that locker room. Um, So that's, I mean, once you get, you you don't even have a culture, honestly, until you have a quarterback to be in that culture. So um, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, I I, I think I disagree with this uh, comment a little bit.
0: Well, and there's different ways to look at it. That's that's where I'll weigh in. Uh, because if you're talking to uh, to Arthur Smith and you're talking to the players, their job is to go out there and give it their best, their absolute best. Arthur Smith isn't going out there looking to, okay, I want to I wanna only want to win three games. No, he wants to go out and win every game he's in. He's a competitor. The reality is, is your general manager and your front office personnel are looking long-term. If they were looking now, Matt Ryan would be an Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. They would if they were looking now, they would have tried to piece together the best absolute possible team they could this year. But that isn't sustainable, not with the age of the players, not with the contracts that the front office has handicapped Arthur Smith and the players on the field this year. That's okay. That's their job to build long term. Arthur Smith, Dean Peace, uh, Marcus Mariota, Grady Jarrett, they're out there to bust their asses and give it their absolute best. But they're out there fighting with one arm behind, tied behind their back. So there's there's differences. You you can say I'm going out there to win. I'm doing my we're doing our damnest to go out and win every game we play, and still be a three and fourteen team. That's where the roster is. The roster is not good enough. Um, so it and again that put don't put that on Arthur Smith and Terry Fon, No. You dropped that right in the lap of Thomas Dimitrov. 2024, I'll start saying, okay, I, I won't say Thomas Dimitrov anymore unless we're talking revisionist history. 2024, this will be their team for sure. Yeah. Um, let me see. I want to say hi to Terry. Terry coming in, says, sub fellas. Good morning, Terry. Um, and uh, Michael Ranquillo coming in. So good morning, Scott and Nick on Forging the Falcons. Good morning, sir. And Rusty Harness coming in also. Um, and he says he think he needs two years of cap's space to make this call in the direction that seems heading but right now with no cap seem to be going in the right direction yeah and and rusty i think i think uh before i even saw your comment i just said 2024. so that would be two years of cap would be 2023 and 2024. where is this team after that it's kind of like a college coach you hire i want to see him play with his own players i want to see him bring these guys in there i mean this season, it's not even one arm tied behind their backs. It's both arm ties behind their back. And they're just trying to duck and dodge and see if they can wear the other guy out and give him a headbutt, you know, and, and that's that's not going to work. So it's, this year is, is bottom. This this year's bottom. Um, and then since so Smith was in the 20s, so who are the coaches in the top five? Um, interesting question, because we were talking about PFF's uh, head coach rankings that they put out a couple days ago. Uh, and this one gets me a little bit, um, Nick. Number one, uh, so this is Bill Belichick. Uh, he's the best head coach in NFL history, moving on. And, and they they call these the tier one Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, number two, John Harbaugh, Baltimore Ravens. Number three, Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, if you're willing to put in Harbaugh into that tier and call him a Hall of Fame coach, how do you have Mike Tomlin
1: at 13? Man, you don't want to pull the race card, but like what the <laughs> hell is going on here, right? That's that's a big question here. Um, I think Tomlin just right in there. Also, Sean McVay outside the top 10 and as John well. Sean
0: McVay was down, you know, talking about, again, I think some of this was, some of this, what they say about Mike Tomlin was, hey, he had one of the highest quarterbacks for, he had the quarterback the whole time. While Harbaugh's done it with Flacco. Well, Flacco wasn't bad. Lamar Jackson's not bad. Good lord! No. You know they've played with some quarterbacks. Tomlin's got a better winning percentage uh, over 16 years. Uh, has just as many Super Bowl victories and has never had a losing record. And you know you're going to have him 12 spots below Harbaugh. You're going to call Harbaugh a Hall of Fame coach and Tomlin in the 13. That that doesn't make any sense to me. No. I I can't I can't make those two uh, equal out
1: personally. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Also, another one that doesn't make any sense of uh, Mike McCarthy top ten. Uh, are we talking about the same Mike McCarthy here? The, God, I think he's one of the worst co- head coaches in football, honestly.
0: And and look where he gets he gets his uh, in here. I'll I'll put this in here so so y'all in the in the chat so y'all can read it. It was over on uh, it was over on PFF, and I believe it was a free article. I'll drop yep. that link in the chat if you wanted to go check it out. Um, but Mike McCarthy, where he gets that the the benefit of the doubt is the the offensive rank with an average roster. They say he scores sixty eight more points than than other other teams than than usual. Really, because he didn't have an average roster. He's never had an average roster. He's had yeah. the Dallas Cowboys and he's had the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. You know, it, let's let's see you you go out there with uh, with Ryan Tannehill in the Tennessee Titans and see what you 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 can accomplish. You know, N- and Derek Henry would be it's solid of course but can you revive a career like that deck prescott was already pretty damn good and he had a bunch of weapons around him you know uh, jerry jones speaking of owners that will invest in a team you know he's he's going to invest in the dallas cowboys to make sure you've got so those that one had me scratching my head and sean McVay, you know to have him down that low it's like winning counts for something right you know would anybody argue that the dallas cowboys haven't put as much effort into their roster as the LA Rams, you know, and the, and the Rams have gotten significantly better returns and McVay is considered one of the best young minds in football. So a couple of those were real head scratchers. The, the one that really got me was like, I saw, I saw Harbor on there in the hall of Fame tier. I'm like, okay, really? Or do they have Tomlin fourth? Yeah. No, wait, what? Four, 13th. Come on, man. No, no, not yeah. for me.
1: Nope. Tomlin should be up there. Uh, And that's not to take away from Harbaugh. Also Harbaugh has done a phenomenal Mm -hmm. job in Baltimore. I mean, you talk Mm -hmm. about multiple iterations, that team has reinvented itself many times under Harbaugh. And I think that's a really good sign of a great head coach and a head coach that's working very well with the front office as well. I think there's really good cohesion between those two units, um, which is why they've been able to be a consistent winner, despite not having a, Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, one of the few teams that can do that. So um, not to take away from Harbaugh. He's a hell of a coach, but I agree with
0: more. This isn't about Harbaugh being in the top three. This is about Tomlin being at 13. Again, Mm -hmm. never had a losing season in 16 years. The Falcons went 40 years without back-to-back winning seasons. Yeah. I mean, it was the longest streak in professional sports, American professional sports, of not having back-to-back winning seasons. They didn't have back-to-back winning seasons. Until uh until Arthur Blank bought the team. Yep. I mean, you're gonna talk about insane. That's one of those statistically impossible type of type of things. But Ethan, thanks so much for the support yep. coming in, coming in orange with the pounds from London. Um, thank you so much. The bottom five guys on that list, um, the room for improvement group was Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Uh, he hasn't really started yet though. um Zach they're Taylor, are Bengals.
1: they're using coaches who are retreads in this article as well. so first time head coaches don't get right. on here, but ones that have been head coaches prior are on this list, apparently
0: uh, and then he, they and again, they're going off straight a straight model. and again, mm. people say, oh, that's what the Alan- analytics say well the 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 model and the algorithms are only as good as the the people who know Maybe. how to set up the formula correctly yeah you know when you're putting up a formula that's got mike tomlin 13 and you want to t- call him a hall of fame guy uh you know uh, but you know zach taylor he's he's 22nd and he's got a losing record with an average roster um matt rule at 24 I can live with that one dennis allen's a retread robert solid new york jets so but the uh the one that got me you know it, well zach taylor at 22. you know if you're drafting head coaches how long before you take zach taylor 10. (laughs) you did not make it out of the top 10.
1: Uh, I don't know. starting a
0: franchise. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, do I want Belichick? He's 80 years old. I I don't think I'd, I'd probably go, you know, is it Sean McVay? And this doesn't have to do with, you know, coaching ability. You know, Sean McVay may walk away from the thing in a year.
1: I know. That's what I was going to say. But if Um, you're,
0: if you're, if you're starting a team, how long does it take you to get to Zach Taylor?
1: I don't, I don't think he goes past 10. Yeah. Uh, I would still take Bill Belichick, uh, John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, just because known quantities there. Uh, the Cliff Kingsbury's at number four. What the there heck? There you go. Cliff Kingsbury at four. Mike Tomlin's at 13. And uh, one other one that we didn't talk about here that uh, it's shocking to me how low, he, how low he is is Sean McDermott at uh, 15, or excuse me, 16. Uh, Sean McDermott, who went to B- uh, Buffalo and year one went to the playoffs with a roster led by quarterback Tyrod Taylor in a division that uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have haunted. I'm going to use the word haunted for 20 years. And now they look like a juggernaut. Yes, it's a great roster, but a lot of that is how good Sean McDermott is um, as well. So, uh, and that defense has been phenomenal there in Buffalo. So there, him there with
0: McDermott, silly. McDermott sticks true to his roots as a former defensive coordinator, helming strong units on that side of the ball, while not always getting expected results out of his offenses based on talent level did you watch the last playoff game did yeah. you watch it i uh i i would have liked a little more talent on the defensive side of the ball
1: no <laughs>
0: no um one other thing i wanted to get to uh before we we get get going here um espn came out with a projected draft order and percentages based on you know the analytics and the model etc cetera, etc cetera, of of next year And they had the number one overall pick. Surprised me a little bit, honestly. Mm -hmm. But they had the number one overall pick as the New York Jets. It seems to me that the Jets are getting a little bit more hype coming into the season based on a very good offseason that I don't think they're going to have the worst record in football. Uh, Number two, Chicago Bears drafting third, Houston Texans, four, Jacksonville Jaguars, five, Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think we're all pretty much in agreement that Throwing maybe the Panthers, and you never know about the Lions. The Lions seem to be headed in the right direction, though. But those five, you know, roll them, roll them around, and throw them out. I, I think those five sound about right: Jets one, Bears two, Houston Texans three, Jacksonville Jaguars four, Atlanta Falcons five. Um, is how they come out with their their top five. Uh, rounding out six Steelers quarterback was a big issue there. Seven Carolina Panthers quarterback big issue there eight detroit lions nine seattle seahawks 10 new york giants what do all those teams have in common nick go ahead and say with me
1: quarterback bad qb yeah bad qb play (laughs) i didn't want to you know end them all but yeah quarterbacks the uh quarterback questions yeah
0: questions at quarterback uh for the most part you know seattle seahawks they they bag on the quarterback Number 10, they they say Daniel Jones is there and has upside. I'm tired of hearing about upside with a guy that's been in the league, you know, three, four years. Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff is okay, should be better. Carolina Panthers, quarterback. Pittsburgh Steelers, quarterback. Atlanta Falcons, quarterback. Jacksonville Jaguars, everybody but the quarterback. Uh, yeah. Houston Texans, they're doing okay there. Everybody but the quarterback. Um, Bears, uh, they feel okay, and the, the Jets feel okay. The, the second part of that list is all about the quarterback rooms.
1: Yep. Yeah, in... Uh not enough quarterbacks uh, to get it done. So it is what it is. Uh, hopefully the Falcons will get themselves out of that tier pretty soon. Uh, we'll see this year. Maybe it's going to be Desmond Ritter. Maybe Marcus Mariota has a Renaissance season. Maybe looking at one of the plethora of arms and talents in the 2023 draft class as well. We'll find out uh, a lot of co- fun quarterbacks to get into next season as well. Should be a better draft class in that regard. I would I would make a bet that there's going to be more than one drafted in the first what was it? 75 picks or whatever it was this year. So, uh, should be a fun one to look at. And, uh, where were the Broncos? Not in the top 10. That was all they listed was just the top 10. Yep. So not
0: in the top 10 and big owl coming in. Good morning, big, big Al. Al. Welcome in from YouTube. Appreciate you being here. Um, you know, I, again, talking about a top five pick, uh, it's an easy time of year to start getting excited uh, you know, they're the it's all internal. Oh, Desmond Ritter is looking really good as a rookie. Drake London has showed up. He looks great. And this linebacker is super fast and Jalen Mayfield looks lighter on his feet. Marcus Mariota looks revived. It's June. It's June. It's OTAs. It's all internal. It's without pads. It's all those type of things. You know, you, then you got you get to get that stark reminder of, yeah, but who's going to play left guard? Is, is, is anybody going to get any better than Caleb McGarry? Who's playing the other two defensive line spots? You're going to get any pressure. You know, the, 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 you start talking about how it can get better. And Michael Rothstein says how they outperform these projections. And he mentions five rookies. <laughs> five rookies. Uh, Michael Rothstein is the Atlanta Falcons beat writer for ESPN. And there's the questions there, which is the, the offense, obviously, the offensive line, the quarterback room. And then Michael Rothstein, the rebuttal on each of these. It's an ESPN Plus article. I can drop that one in here uh, as well. It was nice that they added this to uh, ESPN plus if you were a, a digital subscriber, which I was to watch all of their international football. So I got this uh, included as well. Um, you may not, but the they they start off with a um, this is why we have them here and this is how they could get better. and the the better on all of us, how they get better, every single answer is a rookie, okay? So with the Atlanta Falcons, you have every right to be excited about this rookie class. I'm excited about this rookie class. And they didn't even mention Troy Anderson, one of my favorite rookies, possible rookies at linebacker in, in this class. But they mentioned <clears throat> Desmond Ritter, Drake London, Tyler Algier, and then two edge guys, Arnold Ibiketti and D'Angelo Malone. If you're counting on five rookies to make you better, you're drafting top five. You're you you're drafting top yep. five. That's just the way it's going to be.
1: Yep, that's... uh. Again, that's the reality of this roster, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean this season can't be devoid of meaning and enjoyment. There's going to be a lot of young, fun players that you're going to see grow. And it's this is the stepping stone. You know, some of the best times... Um, One of my favorite seasons uh, covering and following the Broncos was that 2011 year where they had almost no expectations and Tim Tebow went to the playoffs. Yes, that was pre peyton Manning, but it was a step on the way. You see Demarius Thomas step up. You see Von Miller started to come to his own as a rookie. Those are all part of the journey um, towards where you want to go. So even if the season's record is poor, doesn't mean that the season lacks meaning or direction. If I see flashes from all of those guys,
0: it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it'll be exciting. You can have a bad season and still see the light at the end of the tunnel with the young players. What is depressing is when you're bad, old, and expensive. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, man, we haven't even started getting better. That's when it starts. That's when it feels hopeless. This is a young roster with a ton of cap money coming, and they're resetting with an owner that is willing to invest and plenty of capital. So I think it'll be – uh, I think it will be – you can have a poor season and still have bright spots in it. And those are five guys again. And for me, Troy Anderson, I think could be a lot of fun to watch on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah. Should be a fun team. I'm excited to see what the pass rushers can do as well. Um, You Mm -hmm. should have a lot more twitch and juice uh, at the edge position with Malone and uh, Ebiketti. So it should be a lot better this season. Also excited to see what uh, Kyle Pitts can do in his what is he going to be 14 years old this year Um <laughs> yeah. uh, and Drake London? Yeah, too. I
0: think he's got a September birthday, Nick. Uh,
1: okay. So I,
0: it's either September, or October, but he'll start the season at 21 years old. Yeah. You know, and, and, and AJ Terrell is super young too. You know, yeah. he's, he's only 23 or 24 and then Drake London was one of those young guys as well. And hopefully Jalen Mayfield again, I think he was another 20 year old player coming out who, who uh turned 21 during the season. So, you yeah. know, he's got, plenty of room for growth he can't be worse it can't be worse at left guard probably um, not you know just like it cannot statistically be any worse at edge it's got to get better so that that will be room for improvement where it get, can get worse as a quarterback position um I don't I would love it but I don't expect Cordero Patterson to be the revelation if he perf- no if him. he puts up another season like he did last year it'll be a lot of fun he's fun yeah. to watch period yeah Yep. yeah yeah, so, it should
1: be a fun season um, regardless of what the record is and uh, excited to break it down, what it looks like and uh, keep a close eye on all the young players and track their progress as the season progresses.
0: So on that note, Nick, um, you know, as we get going, I think we can catch you tonight on Mile High Huddle uh, on YouTube or on Facebook on the Mile High Insiders. I have a feeling we're going to talk some business of the NFL tonight on the Mile High Insiders with Luke. Yeah. And uh, here we go! <laughs> oh, good lord! Ethan coming in said, "I was just wondering who the sponsor of this show is." You know what? You are. You're the sponsor of this show. You're. Uh, you are our uh, our benefactor, our sponsor of the show. You and Mark came in, and thank you for our super chat superstars. But before we get out of here, uh, let me share my screen here and say, you know, if you are looking for a home in the metro Atlanta area or looking to sell your home, check out RyanKennedyHomes.com. It is a white hot market in the metro Atlanta area. And if you don't have an agent, you're not getting into this area because the the houses that are going up for sale now, they're not going up for sale. They're telling somebody they're an agent. Agents are calling other agents. Oh yeah, I've got people looking to buy now and they're making cash offers. Uh, Not that you have to, I'm just saying you have to work with an agent in order to uh, to get into this market, or if you're looking to get out, help we help yourself maximize your value as you're looking to move on. Uh, but Ryan Kennedy Holmes, check it out; she's terrific. Uh, that is a promise, and uh, and thank you so much to Ethan. You're terrific, Mark Schrader, Jeremy, uh, Ray, all y'all, U.S. Dave, Dave, Big Al. If I didn't say her name, I apologize. It doesn't mean Chris. Um, Actually, let me hit Chris real quick since this, before we get out of here, I I glossed over this one, Chris. I apologize. Uh, Chris says, morning guys, don't underestimate team chemistry. If the locker room situation has people with great attitude, good chemistry, proper leadership, combine that with good personnel, the right cap management and some stability. You really have something to build on. Um, Yes. The one part that's lacking for me right now is the good personnel. And that's going to take a little time. Uh, the cap management is, is good, is getting better. Um, I'm been a big fan of the team chemistry that I've seen um, the leadership and all of those things. But right now, based on the poor previous poor cap management, along with some draft classes that have been questionable, the personnel isn't where it should be. And that's going to
1: take some time. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. Well, uh, hopefully get it in the right direction this season. Hopefully they hit on their draft picks. Hopefully some of the guys in their class last year, uh, Jalen Mayfield, Richie Grant, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. uh, can step up. But uh, right now we're just dealing with what we know. And uh, as a team that was pretty much held together by duct tape with a lot of lacking in cap space and uh, traded their quarterback, who's probably pretty underrated. And I'm excited to see what he can do at Indy this year. Wish he would have went to the NFC because that's one more team that looks competent and formidable in the AFC.
0: Colts with Frank Reich on that list was about, um, 10 or 11, or he cracked the top 10. I think he was, uh, nine, um, Frank Reich has done really well. I think he's going to do really well with Matt Ryan and I'm excited for Matt Ryan in the AFC I'll, I'll look forward to watching him. Um, you know, with all of the stuff that's come out the Deshaun Watson stuff, I think it makes you a bigger fan of the professionalism of Matt Ryan and how he kind of got done dirty. You know, I I'm thankful that the Falcons aren't having to go through what the Browns are going through right now. Um if they had pulled off that trade. I, I am thankful for that. Uh, on that note, head over to mile high huddle and we're going to join Kim on beckoning the Broncos in 10 minutes at the top of the hour. Um, she's got her feels like third or fourth show already. Uh, I'll be in the background helping out with the chat, helping out with the ones and two. So that's where I'm headed. And I hope to see you there until next time. Thank you for being here and we will see you soon.